your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. Thanks for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. If you like what you're hearing, be sure to drop a follow, subscription, like, what have you on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, Megaphone, Odyssey, and YouTube. Doing so does not cost you a single penny. We love and appreciate your support, and it also keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's podcast, we're going to be taking a look at Pittsburgh versus Winnipeg. It is obviously something of an exciting game as the Pens are, well, a perennial playoff team, and the Jets are looking to prove that they are, in fact, in the same tier of of playoff caliber and maybe even contender status teams. This Pens team though, uh, it's been a bit of a rocky season. They've had a lot of injuries. They basically just got a foolish roster back and they don't even have Malkin yet. He's still out for I think a couple more months with what was it like wrist surgery or something? Maybe it was knee surgery. I forget which. But both he and Crosby have missed significant time this year. Crosby just came back himself and actually scored a goal against Montreal last week. Uh, But you know the rest of the Pens have had a lot of injuries plus COVID absences. There was a pretty major COVID outbreak just a couple of weeks ago, so it's not like this Pens team is really back yet either. I I could imagine that there might be some conditioning issues. It's been a tumultuous season start, but even then they're still above 500 by a pretty decent margin, at least by points percentage, which I I I think says a lot about how Mike Sullivan has been able to get a lot out of this roster that frankly has been putting out AHL lineups at times. While this team definitely has some issues in terms of like depth right now thanks to the injuries and stuff and a lot of guys are still rusty after just coming back, I still wasn't really expecting Pittsburgh to be a cakewalk. I mean, this is a team that has continually shown a lot of heart, a lot of desire, and honestly a fast counter that can really hurt teams. Um, You know, if you make a bad turnover or you miss a puck reception, maybe a pass that just goes a little bit wayward, All of a sudden, Pittsburgh explodes into space, and they're very comfortable capitalizing on those missed opportunities and turning them into very dangerous counters against. So, you know, the Jets were going to have to be careful. And right as we headed into the first period, like the first 30 seconds of the game or so, Pittsburgh had a two-on-one, and it was only thanks to a great Connor Hellebuck stop that the Jets weren't down 1-0, you know, what, like 10 or 15 seconds into the game? At first, I was like, oh, you know, this could be a rough one if immediately the Jets are, are making some bad turnovers or having some bounces and stuff that set up, set up odd man rushes. But thankfully, after that point, the Jets kind of started to take over the, uh, I would say, the first 10 to 15 minutes. It was a little bit of a slower start for like the first five, but after that, the Jets started pumping shots down the slot, and they actually put Tristan Jari through his paces. I will say that uh, even though Pittsburgh only had a handful of shots in that opening frame, a lot of them were pretty dangerous and forced Hellebuck to make some great saves. It's one of those situations where if you don't have many opportunities in the game, then you need to make the most that you do have and, and make them as dangerous as humanly possible, which these chances were of that variety. Some really nice stuff around the goal line, a couple of cross-seam passes that 
frankly could have scored. And I don't recall if it was the first or second period, but there was a PK that the Jets had to deal with, and Hellebuck made this unbelievable rolling save. Uh, I think it was with like the inside of his pad or something. He somehow managed to stick up his leg and block a shot attempt that, frankly, uh, should have put the Jets in a bind. I mean, it was so close to being a goal-scoring opportunity, but somehow Winnipeg dodged a bullet. Instead, the Jets were actually the ones to open up the scoring thanks to a great fourth-line shift. We saw Riley Nash make probably his best play as a Jet. He had a, a bit of a physical battle going below the goal line in Pittsburgh's end, somehow retained possession, made a great pass, and it kept the cycle going, which allowed uh, Toninato, Pionk, and Dylan to eventually participate in the play, and Toninato, thanks to a little bit of chaos and a really good read, a situational read, that is, uh, he, he kind of found a great shooting lane and just sort of picked the top shelf over Jari's shoulder. That's something that I think is really important with a player like Toninato, who is maybe not the world's most elite offensive forward or anything like that, but he's got a really good work ethic. I think that he understands his role quite well, and he actually has a couple of very good tool sets to work with. Um, I was a fan of him when the Jets brought him in for... I think it was like a PTO or something, and then they converted him to a call-up last year, which was kind of neat. He played a couple of games, actually did score a goal, if I recall correctly. Uh, but as like a fourth-line forward, I think he's sort of the ideal grindy two-way player who actually has some very underrated skill sets. So that one was a nice, well-earned goal. He's probably had a couple of opportunities this year that he could have scored on as well. And I'll have to give Nash credit. I thought he had a good play. Actually, Riley had a really good tipped puck on a PK sequence later in the game that I thought was also very good, but just in that first period, a nice play below the goal line. I don't think he actually got any points uh, or, or credit in that respect, but certainly he was one of the primary drivers of why that goal even happened, so if you could keep doing that kind of stuff, that'd be great. You know, the Jets tend to use him on the power play, which that's definitely not where he should be. But at even strength, if he can find some of his defensive work and also contribute here and there offensively, especially with a grindy, forechecky skill set that he does possess, that'd be great. You know, the, the start to his career as a Jet hasn't exactly been amazing. So, yeah, not too bad from Riley. Uh, certainly a nice goal for Toninato. The Jets didn't concede. Um, the only thing that may be a note of concern is that Ehlers is continuing to look a bit slow. I think he must be dealing with some kind of lower body injury. I think they've mentioned maybe like a groin injury or something, and he just doesn't really have the ability to break away from defenders like he used to. Uh, he had a couple of opportunities in that first period where he would maybe miss time, uh, the puck reception, the shot, the pass, just everything with his game right now is kind of off, uh, and it's bad enough to where I feel like you could probably shut him down for a week or two and still not really lose that value. I think Ehlers is kind of struggling to get into the positions and make the most of the plays that he's been given. You know, he can't really move. He's not as mobile as he's used to, uh, and it's certainly impacting all facets of his game. So if the Jets want to kind of give him a break, I think that would be a very good idea. I know that he tries very hard. He loves to give 100% of his effort, but, you know, he's just pretty banged up right now, and he's been taking hits left and right, so maybe a week or two off wouldn't be bad. I know that the Jets probably won't do that. But if there's a player that could definitely use that break, it's probably Ehlers. He, you know, had to carry the offensive load last year. He's trying to do it again this year, but he's just not capable of it. So give him some time to heal up and, and get him ready for the playoff run. There were still another 40 minutes to go in this game, and uh, the second period was coming up in just a little bit. So we'll check in on that and see what happened. But before we go any further, I thought you should hear a little bit about why DirecTV streaming is your number one choice for all your online TV and multimedia streaming needs. 
Does this sound familiar? You've got one device that lets you catch the game live, another that lets you stream your favorite shows, you're watching sports highlights on your phone, and you've got your neighbor's best friend's login for the good stuff. Well, I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle, and a great way to finally get your TV all together. It's called DirecTV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. And the best part? There's no annual contract whatsoever. So get rid of that clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. You can learn more at DirecTV.com. That's DirecTV.com. Stop waiting and get your TV together with DirecTV Stream. Compatible with device required. Content varies by package. Go to DirecTV.com for more information. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked On Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for making Locked On Jets your first listen of the day every day. We are uh, recapping Winnipeg versus Pittsburgh. It has been the first period, Winnipeg up one nothing, and the lead was earned in pretty dominant fashion. But with this Pittsburgh team, you always kind of expect them to start turning up the heat at some point. This is just not a Pens team that you can really keep silent for, for the entire game. Don't get me wrong, Pittsburgh has definitely had stinkers throughout the season, but generally speaking, I still think that they're a very dangerous competitive team. And I was just thinking... You know, at some point, if Crosby or Gensel or any of these other players start to wake up, it's going to be a problem. And as the second period started to wear on, you could kind of tell that Pittsburgh was getting faster and faster. Their uh, defensive structure was tightening up. I thought that they were marking out Winnipeg's forwards well. The Jets weren't really able to complete as many passes. Breakouts were becoming harder and harder. It just felt like the tide was starting to turn. And then the Jets took a couple of penalties, and things weren't really great. In between all that, Jason Zucker did score a goal to tie it, so Winnipeg was kind of like, oh, you know, crap, now we're going to have to chase the lead again. But unlike previous games where the Jets have been capable of generating a lot of offensive pressure even when down in a game, this one wasn't really like that. Uh, Generally speaking, Pittsburgh, especially after uh, one of Winnipeg's last penalty kills of the night, just kind of took over the game. The, the pens were faster, they were generating more dangerous ca- chances, their odd man counters were constant and frequent, and it was just a, a frustrating outing for the Jets' offense. Uh, the defense also didn't really have the best evening as the game continued on. That second half especially was pretty bad. Um, and so the second period, it just kind of felt like Winnipeg sort of fell into a neutral pattern. And once Pittsburgh had tied it, it was basically just a new game. And at that point, you could kind of tell Winnipeg might not have it. Kyle Connor even had a breakaway, and it was like a perfectly helpful bounce that just sort of fluttered over the neutral zone. You know, Kyle was in on goal, and he had a very clear chance, and even he couldn't score. So once that happens, you just kind of get the sense it's it's not going to be your night. And I think that that was a very relevant point here. Were the Jets bad? I, I wouldn't say that necessarily. I think the Jets had a couple of good periods, um, but it, it was more like a game where it felt like it was divided into two halves. The first half, very competent, at times even dominant, and the second half, yeah, they just sort of disappeared. So the third period, that's when things really started to get rough. The Jets kind of slowed down, and you could tell that Pittsburgh was the much faster team. 
Um, the Pens were generating the more dangerous chances. Winnipeg just really wasn't getting anything going, and they couldn't even break off some of their marks. Even when Winnipeg would finally shake off a defender and get into a good shooting spot, it either got sent over the net or, uh, you know, Tristan Jari ended up saving it because the shot itself wasn't to a really dangerous area. Jari just wasn't really tested for a lot of the back half of the game. And so, you know, once the Jets kind of fell behind on a bit of a fluky bounce that came off of Hellebuck's mask and right to Danton Heinen, you know, the Jets were down 2-1. They just kept chasing the game for the entire period. They could not get past uh, the 1-3-1 that Pittsburgh was often deploying, especially in the neutral zone. So, you know, it, it was just a frustrating, uh, like, back half of the game. The Jets really had no answers for Pittsburgh's neutral zone forecheck. They had nothing going once they were inside the offensive zone. And in the defensive end, Winnipeg's blue liners weren't super great. I would say that Pionk and Dillon probably had some of the better outings among the blue liners, but it wasn't exactly a glowing night for anyone. I would say that Morrissey and Schmidt had a rough one. Stanley and DeMello also not very good. Um, just a tough, tough game. And I think it shows a couple of things that are, are, are still wrong with the roster. There's a lot that is better, but there are a couple of key things that the Jets need to work on. And I, th I think some of that we'll talk about in just a little bit. As far as top performers on the night, I would probably say Hellebuck was among the best for the Jets. I thought he had a very good outing in net. You could say that the second goal was a little bit eh in terms of like rebounds conceded, but it came off of his mask, so I'm not really sure what all he would do there. You, you can't really, uh, unfortunately, cover something like that, especially if you don't see it immediately. Um, I thought as far as like the skaters were concerned, Evgeny Zvechnikov continues to be really good and just not get played enough, which is kind of frustrating. I feel like he is the guy who should be with Connor and Dubois. I, I think his skill set's a lot more complimentary. I think that he's able to do a lot more than Wheeler is right now. And Blake in like a more third line role, I think he would thrive there. I, I don't think that this second line or even first line deployment that he currently has is doing much good for anyone. So that's going to have to change. Um, but I just felt like overall the team really wasn't clinical. A, you know, once Pittsburgh started getting faster and faster, the Jets passes were, were poor. I thought that the shooting wasn't really there. Like the finishing just felt a little bit lackluster. Uh, Winnipeg kind of forced some stuff that really didn't work out. And it just felt like the Jets ran out of ideas. This is more like what happened last year and in years prior where Winnipeg might have a couple of periods of really good play. But once the opposing team started speeding up the pace and dialing the tempo to the way that they want it to be, the Jets couldn't keep up. And I think that that was very much the case tonight. It was a frustrating game. And I think that there are some larger takeaways. You know, the Jets have now lost a couple of games in a row. It's not really time to hit like the panic button, but there are some early trends that say, okay, you know, here are some major sticking points for Winnipeg to try and fix over the next couple of weeks. It's probably not stuff that's going to change immediately, but maybe, you know, due to injuries or something, the Jets can start to make some tweaks and hopefully get the lineup back up to speed. Before we talk about what could be changed and what might improve, I thought you should hear a little bit about why Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the market. Are you someone who loves protein bars? Are you tired of all of your favorite protein bars tasting like ash and dirt? Maybe you're ready for a change. And as a fellow protein bar appreciator, I can tell you that Built Bar is your best alternative. It's the only protein bar that tastes more like a candy bar, with a 100% chocolate exterior and a soft, chewy interior. It comes in several delicious flavors like salted caramel, orange, cookies and cream, German chocolate, and so many other great flavors. 
Built Bar often releases very special limited edition, limited quantity flavors that once they're gone, they're gone for good. So stay tuned to their social media platforms and their website to make sure you never miss another flavor. As delicious as Built Bars are, they're even better for you, with most bars clocking in at around 130 to 180 calories, 4 to 5 grams of net carbs, and 17 to 18 grams of protein. Built Bars are perfect for every lifestyle, whether you're looking to maintain or lose weight. Placing your order couldn't be easier. Go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that is promo code LOCKED15 at checkout for 15% off at Built.com. Place your order today for the best tasting protein bar on the market. Hello, friends, and welcome back to this episode of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are closing out tonight with some thoughts on how the Jets can maybe stop some of the bleeding that's going on right now. Uh, there have been a couple of trends over the past couple of games that maybe should be reversed a bit. Uh, the Jets are starting to fall into a couple of bad habits, um, and, and I think it's not really anything that's super surprising. We're used to some of these bad habits more than others. Uh, but the first, of course, is that Blake Wheeler, the, the team is going to have to figure out how to reduce his role. I love him. He's been a great captain. He's been an amazing player for this franchise. But the version of him that this team wants him to be is just not who he is now. And I've said it before, you know, it's basically a broken record. So I'm not going to go that deep into it. But, you know, he, he won't fix everything if he gets moved to the third line. But the Jets had four functioning lines for the most part when Wheeler was on the third with Shifley and Lowry. Was it perfect? No. Was it a lot more tenable than it is right now? Yes. And I think that's the biggest thing for the Jets. You know, if you're going to have certain players together, then at least make the other lines pretty balanced. Splitting up uh, Zvechnikov, Connor, and Dubois was a huge mistake. That unit was dynamite. It was carrying the Jets' offense at times. And now that everyone else is going dry... The Jets just don't really have any lines that they can turn to to win those matchups. And so, you know, as much as I love Wheeler, he's got to get demoted. I don't know how they're going to sell that to him, especially as they've been ramping his minutes up, but it has to be done sooner rather than later. The other thing that I really want to look at is how to get Shifley active again, because after that first couple of games where I thought he was actually pretty good, he's just not really there right now. And so I feel like he needs some kind of a kick to get him going again. And I don't know how you do that. Um, Ehlers right now is also looking really slow and, and not really at his best. Uh, and when you have two players who are among your best even strength creators, you you don't really want to see both of them at the same time going through a bit of a cold stretch. I, I won't say that, you know, Shifley has been completely invisible. He's had a couple of good plays here and there, but, you know, by his standards, he's just not really been good enough. And Ehlers, you know, is dealing with something clearly he's not 100%, and so... His game has also been pretty poor, uh, especially for his standards. So, you know, if you're not really getting it from your, your veteran players and stuff, then look internally for other options. Zvechnikov really does deserve a longer look in the top six again. Veselainen honestly does deserve more of a look in the first three lines or so as well. I mean, he's been very good in limited ice time, and even though he may not be getting the results with his current line mates, I think if you actually give him skill to work with and allow him to get those NHL-quality players uh, up in that top nine unit, you're going to see him start to shine. He's a very skilled player. He's grown his power forward aspects. I think that there's a version of him that can be a regular contributor. The name that I keep circling to, though, and the one that's not really here right now but will be soon, or, or hopefully is soon, is Cole Perfetti. If you're looking for like an immediate injection of elite skill, passing, shooting, uh, pretty okay mobility, and amazing vision, then just call Cole up. I really don't think the Jets have that many other options. 
Perfetti is tearing it up at the AHL level, it's clear that the next step for him is to really make that NHL jump. Again, this is another broken record thing, and that tends to be the case with this team, right? We often find ourselves repeating the same things over and over again. But for the Jets, I really think Perfetti is the guy that I circle on on the list of names that could be the major difference maker. This team desperately needs one extra player to really push them over the top. Just because, you know, as it is, the team is pretty good. They're doing a lot of the things right. It's just that a couple of extra details remain elusive. And if they can fix those details, they're going to be a much better team. But until they do, they're kind of stuck in this weird limbo state where they can still be very good at even strength and stuff. But that extra killer touch that they need, that that finishing talent to just put them over the top, is still a little bit absent. Perfetti might not solve every single problem, but I could see him doing a lot of good for this team, and maybe he'll be the push the rest of the veterans need to get going again. I'd be curious to know what your solutions are, so be sure to let me know at HLivingLoco and at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets on Twitter. For tonight's show, though, that is going to do it. Thank you for making Locked on Jets your first listen of the day every day. Now make Locked on Bets your second listen. They're your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Be sure to subscribe and listen to Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. As always, thank you so much for listening. Have a great night, and go Jets go.